You're listening to the North Canton Chapel podcast. Thank you for joining us today. The North Canton Chapel exists to make much of Jesus every day to everyone. It's our prayer that this podcast will equip you to do just that. We believe that there's nothing like the church united together in gospel community. We'd love if you'd stop in and say hello in person if you're in our neighborhood. Our gathering times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Thank you again for joining us today. Let's listen in. Good morning. I'm Dan Clancy. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am so glad to be able to talk to you this morning. Um, Today, we're going to be talking on um, a difficult passage. I think that in all the years of me being a Christian, I think I've heard maybe one um, sermon on this passage. Today, we're going to be in James chapter um, 2, verses 1 through 13. So you can uh, keep your Bible open, and we're just going to work our way through the passage. Hopefully today we're not just looking at the passage. Hopefully today we're applying the passage to our life. And if you're hoping to hear a funny sermon or a happy sermon, today's not the day. I know I, I know I normally try to add a lot of humor to it, but this passage just isn't funny. And uh, so today, um, let's start in prayer and we'll get going. Heavenly Father, Lord, you're so good. And right now we ask that your Holy Spirit would illuminate, that you would turn the lights on in people's minds, that they may understand the truth. And for those that have walked away and maybe they're in darkness right now, Lord, they come back to the light. Lord, we pray that you would be honored today with what is said. And so, Lord, we ask that you would bless your word, that you would make much of yourself today. And so... Again, Lord, we thank you that you're good and that you're, gr- you're powerful and that you're, you're there for us. So bless this um, service. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. So today I'm going to talk about partiality. And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit work out the issues in your life, if there are any. But the world that we live in, I think it's a mess. Um, this message is on partiality division, discrimination, I think it's really um, timely. But think about all the ways that we're divided today. There's the rich and the poor. There's the mask and the no mask. There's the red and there's the blue. There's the white and there's the black. There's the people with tattoos. There's the people with no tattoos. Do I friend you or do I defriend you? Do I watch Fox or do I watch CNN? Do I like hems or do I like contemporary? Am I Starbucks or am I Dunkin' Donuts? A lot of division. And as long as I've been alive for 57 years, I have not seen this in America. I have not seen the division, the hatred, the lack of respect. And so we can learn a lot from this passage today. And that's what I'm going to pray that does happen. So we're going to simplify this passage. The first part of James chapter 2, before we read it, it goes like this. Verse 1 is the what. Verses 2 through 4 is the why. And verses 5 through 13 is the better way. You know, as a father, my warning to my kids is an invitation. I warn them not to flex my muscles, to show how much control I'm in, 
but I warn my kids to keep them safe. Now, sometimes it may sound like the others, but when I say don't do this to my kids, it's because I want them to be safe. I want them to walk in joy. But if they do whatever I told them not to do, I'm going to be displeased. And you don't want to see dad displeased, do you? You might remember back to your days as being a kid. I don't warn because of my power. We warn as a loving father. And that's what we're going to see in this passage today. You know, where Jesus is inviting, James is inviting them into a better way. The what, the why, the better way. The what is easy. The what is right in front of you in verse 1. It says this. The what is, it says, my brothers, show no partiality. Show no favoritism. Show no discrimination. So it's really simple. That's what this passage is about. That is the what. The what is don't withhold love. Don't withhold affection, hospitality, friendship, mercy, kindness to other people. Don't withhold that based upon outward appearances. So that's one thing. As a Christian, we shouldn't treat people based upon their class, based upon their age, their clothing, their weight, their gender, their skin color, and even their attractive, attractiveness. I know that's hard. You know, a lot of you discriminate against me because I'm such a beautiful person, but don't do it. Don't show partiality. So here's the what. Now, before I go on, I think it's really easy, I think for most of us, is that we drift towards people like us. We like to be around people like us. Why do we do that? Because it's easier. Why not the people that aren't like us? Because it's harder. It's work. And James chapter 2 warns us, don't do that. Don't just be around people who are just like you. It's a warning. God is inviting us into something that is better. He leads us into the why. So the why is this. The why is always complicated. I know that, you know, again, being a parent, if you have kids, you know that the why is a lot harder. You tell your kid, you know, to do something in the house. I'll give you an example. Take your muddy shoes off in the house. They say, why? There's a lot of emotions that rage up in front of us. We we think through, hopefully we think before we say, but a lot of times our gut reaction is to say, because I said so. Now, we say that because the why is more complicated. It's easier than saying, if you track this mud all over the house, then your mom is gonna start acting like this. And then when she starts acting like this, then I start acting like this. And you don't want to see that. You don't want to explain the why. So a lot of times we just stick to because I said stuff. Because I said so. The what is don't show partiality. It's a warning. But it's also an invitation to something that's better. 
What is the why? In verse 4, it tells us the why. And if you have your Bibles, follow along with me. Mark up your Bibles. This is just a really easy um, outline. It says in verse 4, let me get a drink of water first. Have you not then made distinctions among yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? Verse 5, listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? So here's the why in verse 6. Why don't we show impartiality? In verse 6, it says, you dishonor God. You dishonor God and you show that you don't understand the gospel when you're doing that. When I was growing up, it was a lot different than people growing up now. I lived on an Air Force base, just full of kids. And when I was growing up, we used to have organized sports and then we had neighborhood sports. And I mean... I mean, it was all out every day. Every kid was at the field. They were all playing. It was a lot like Sandlot. We played baseball in baseball season, then basketball in basketball season, two-hand touch, tag, glow ball. Glow ball was a great game. We would find, you know, we'd go to the, the gym on base and two people would have glow balls. You divide up into two teams. And the object was, the ball was about this big, and it glowed. And so it was so big that you couldn't wrap your whole hands around it. You couldn't put it under your shirt or anything, but you had to get from one side of the gym to, an, to the other side. And you're in the total darkness. And there's so many things that are happening. People are punching you. People are ripping the ball away. It was so much fun. It was definitely not a game that kids would play today because it wasn't safe. But anyway, think about that. You know, it's like we would pick teams based upon who we thought were the best. We would pick a team that was good enough to win. But think if God did that. Think if God were to pick the best, the smartest, the good-looking. Look around the room. If you look around the room, that description is not us. But you might be saying, Dan, I'm looking around the room, and I think, uh, I think I'm think i in the top 2%. So let's talk about you, Mr. 2%er. If that is you, uh, if that is you and that is true, then God says this to us, show me the fruit. Show me the men and women who have become Christians because of your awesomeness. Show me the disciples that you made because you're so awesome. You're so majestic. When you show partiality, you show discrimination. And when you do that, you dishonor God because you stepped out of his saving grace. You have become your own mini-God, judging people with evil intentions. So when God talks about the poor in this passage here, he's serious. He's serious about the way that he wants us to see him. So let me unpack this for you. There's two meanings of the word poor found in Scripture. The first one is found in 
and Matthew. Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. There's this spiritual poverty. It's a humility. It's a meekness. It's this deep awareness of God, and it's a good thing. In fact, Jesus said, Blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The second meaning of the poor, Jesus talks about in Luke, and he says, blessed are the poor. Those that have nothing, those that are dependent on me for everything. And he says, I will provide for you. I will be with you. You will know that I'm present. You will know that you can always count on me. I will come through. So James, he's really leaning in us on us at this part. He's got the what, don't show partiality. He's got the why, and the why is this. The reason you don't show impartiality is it offends God, number one. Number thing, the second thing that it does is it dishonors our brothers. In verse 6, he says, you dishonor the poor man you will see that James starts asking some really difficult questions to them. And here are some of the questions. You'll find it in verse 6 and verse 7. But he says, Are not the rich the one who oppress you and drag you into courts? Are not those the ones who blaspheme the honorable name which you are called? And James is saying, Really, he's accusing the church. There's an accusation against the church. He was the first pastor there in Jerusalem. And he says to the church, you want to be loved by the world. You want to be applauded. You want to be normal. And when you do that, you dishonor your brother. You dishonor your brother. James is saying, you know, these people are the same people that belittle you. These are the same people that belittle God. These are the same people that mock you, make your life difficult. You know, there's a weird um, psychological um, trauma that occurs to people that have been abused. The abused often go back to their abuser. And that's what, sort of what's happening here in verse 2. A lot of times you didn't see this man that they were talking about, uh, the man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing. They talk about in verse 2 and verse 3. It says this, it says, For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes, and you pay attention to one, who is wearing the fine clothing and says, you sit here in the good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over here, sit at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourself? He's saying, you know, in the New Testament in the first century here, you didn't often see that man walk into the church, the man with the fine clothing, the bright clothing, you know, the golden ring upon his, his finger. And so James is saying when you, when you honor that person and you dishonor, your, you're dishonoring your brother. And so 
it's sort of like the abused going back to their abusers. And there's so many people in churches. There's churches all across America right now that want to be cool. They want to be hip. They want to be accepted. And they try. They try their very hardest to make Jesus really, really cool. But once you do that, it's not Christ anymore. He's not Christ. He's a figment of your imagination. Pastor uh, Brandon and Pastor Dave, in the last couple of weeks, they talk about James, you know, is that he is a straight shooter, that the book of Proverbs is full of wisdom, and James is often called the Proverbs of the New Testament. But sometimes in his practicality, his advice hurts. It stings a little bit. And so, like I said, today is not one of those happy, feel-good sermons. So he's talking here is about the better way. The better way is found in verse 8. Let me turn there. In verse 8, it says this, if you really... If you really fulfill the royal law, according to scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. Verse 8, what it's really saying, if you want to please me, if you want to please the heart of God, do the word. Do the word. Stop talking about it. Do the word. As Dave preached last week, he preached in James chapter 1 and verse 22, and it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. That word hearer in the Greek, um, in the language, it, it's the same, where we get the same word as audit. And in college, you can audit classes. A lot of people don't know that, but it seems like it's a really good deal to audit classes. You get to go into the class, you get to hear the information, you don't have to take any tests, you don't have any quizzes, you don't have to write any papers, and on top of that, it costs less. So you think, wow, that's a great deal, man, I'd love to audit some classes. The bad part is you don't get any credit. At the end, there's no credit, there's no diploma, there's no graduation. It's like they didn't even know that you were there. And I think, which this may sound harsh, is I think there's people in church today, maybe you're listening today, they're auditing Christianity. They hear the information. They hear it, but it doesn't change their life. And they get no credit at the end. So verse 8, it's telling us that we need to line ourselves up with the royal law, law of love. It's telling us to do the word and not just being a hearer. And when we're a hearer and we don't do the word, we're sinning against God. Going into verse 9, it says, If you show partiality, you're committing sin, and you are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. Verse 11, For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. If you, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. You've broken the law. 
You've broken all the law, not just some of it. You've broken all of it. You see, when we discriminate, we break the law. When we show favoritism, we break the law. When we avoid the poor, we break the law. We're sinning against God. So for us to speak and to act and, you know, we're, let's just read verse 12. It'll, it'll make things clear. It says in verse 12, it says, So speak and so act as those who've been judged according to the law of liberty. Again, it's saying the same thing. It's telling us that we not only need to speak, but we need to act. You know, James is taking the church right back to chapter 1. He's going right back. Be doers of the word. So speak. So act. You see, when we, when we hear it and we don't do it, it's a red light in our life. It's a problem. You know, if you're listening today and you're on the couch and you don't care. You just don't care. Maybe someone made you do, do it. If there's, no, if there's no fruit in your life, if there's no action in, in your life, if there's no change in your life, then you're probably not a believer. And, and Dave talked about that a little bit last week. And you might be thinking, wow, Pastor Dan, you know, that's harsh. I'm loving you by saying it. I'm, I'm, by saying it, it is hard for me to say. But we say it because we love you and we don't want you to be, according to this word, um, according to this passage, deceived. Self-deception is the worst deception. So anyway, as we go on, if there's no worship of Christ, if there's no obedience, if there's no evidence of having a new heart, again, you're probably deceiving yourself. When I was a teenager and after I got saved, I heard one story that stuck with me. The story was of Alexander the Great and one of his soldiers. There was a young soldier and he had never seen war before. He was newly enlisted and when the battle started, the young soldier got scared and he retreated. And then later on, he was brought before Alexander the Great for his punishment. The first thing that Alexander the Great said to him is, Son, what is your name? And the boy was so nervous, he said with a stutter, My name is a Alexander. And Alex Alexander the Great said to him, he said, Son, you need to change your name or you need to change your ways. And only Jesus can do the changing in our life. But if you have no interest in the things of the, of, of the Lord, you need to redefine yourself. You need to define yourself correctly. Maybe, just maybe, you're not a Christian. If you think you're a Christian when all the evidence says that you're not, this last verse it's talking in verse 3, it says, For judgment without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. But it says, Mercy triumphs over judgment. Jesus is saying this, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And James 
when he talks about it, he flips it. He says this, God will judge all of us. And if you don't show mercy, you, God won't show you mercy. And, you know, why is that? Because faith without mercy towards others isn't a genuine faith. Did you get that? Faith without mercy towards others isn't a genuine faith. So if you're saying, I've got faith, I've got Jesus, I've trusted in his forgiveness, I've trusted in his mercy, and you refuse to extend that to someone else, something's broken. Something's broken in your heart. If you can't extend that to other people, which you've been given freely, then something's broken in your heart. If you find disdain in your heart when you see a group of people, maybe they're elderly, maybe they're white, maybe they're black, maybe they're people that think differently than you, then you need to repent. Genuine faith means that there's progress. Not perfection, progress in your life. Verse 13, which I messed up just a second ago, mercy triumphs over judgment. Remember, God wants us to remember. Remember the mercy that was shown to you. Remember where you were when he found you, when he ransomed you. Remember that he rescued you. Remember so that you can give that to other people. James bears all this weight upon us, and he's saying to us as a church, listen to me. Listen to me. And if you're saying this today is, Dan, I have a desire. I want to be obedient. Then praise God. You know, you're an adopted son of God. In my life, I found this to be the truth. It's so much easier for me to deal with a drug addict or a prostitute because they know that their life is messed up. They know that their life is broken. But it's really hard to deal with someone who thinks that they're a Christian. They think that they're a Christian because they made a decision in Sunday school or children's ministry or youth ministry but there's no evidence in their life. Self-righteousness sort of inoculates us to Christ. People that are self-righteous, they feel like they have him. They feel like, I have Jesus, despite all the evidence that they don't. So what I have found with a lot of people is that they want to look godly, but they don't want to be godly. There's no fruit. In our last verse, it says, let mercy triumph over judgment. That is a great invitation. That's a great place for us to stop today. Let mercy triumph over judgment. I want to pray for you today. And I'm going to pray that you make a decision um, just right where you are. So will you pray with me as, as I pray? Heavenly Father, Lord, I am so thankful for your word and the richness of it and the, the beautiful illustrations that we see and the punches that sometimes we have to endure as we read your word. But today, Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit 
will do work in people's life. I pray that you would reveal any partiality that they may have in their life. I pray that you would convict them. I pray that you would convict them if they're going, just going through the motions right now. Maybe they've been sitting on the couch for three, four months right now and their heart is very, very far away from you. And I pray, Lord, most of all, Lord, that you would bring them back to yourself, Lord. I pray that they would get off the couch and start doing something for you. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you give us a second chance. We pray today that you would bless. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the North Canton Chapel Podcast. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please share this episode with your friends or spread the word on social media. If you subscribe and leave a five-star review, it goes a long way to helping us make much of Jesus every day to everyone who hears these podcast episodes. You can also donate to this ministry at nchapel.com forward slash give. Thanks again for joining us. May you go out into your places and spaces making much of Jesus every day to everyone.